Crazy times, exciting times in virtual care. And the topic I wanted to lead with uh, is with the explosive growth uh, in virtual care during the pandemic, I wanted to highlight some challenges for providers and really start to hone in on what does the future of virtual care hold, right? you know, the COVID-19 pandemic, you know, hit providers on all levels, hit them like an avalanche. Many of them scrambling to adopt virtual care solutions to make up for lost revenue, salvage their practices, and accommodate patient care remotely. You know, what we have learned is that organizations reacted and were affected differently as this massive shift to virtual care commenced. Larger healthcare enterprises, you know, had for many years worked towards developing virtual care functionalities. Most of them with very hefty price tag, specifically direct-to-consumer telemedicine systems. But for most of these enterprises, you know, these solutions had really gone underutilized. It had often been a tough cost to continue to justify. This underutilization could be credited to many regulatory barriers, And I say the overall lack of awareness of the general public that these solutions even existed or the little confidence and experience in them being viable ways to access healthcare. It just wasn't generally mainstream. You know, telehealth stakeholders like myself had always banked on the fact that telehealth would go mainstream, but also knew it would truly take a societal change to reach that pinnacle. The COVID-19 pandemic marked that moment in time. The same organizations that had sat with their telemedicine systems collecting dust for years saw their platforms now log jammed with record numbers of virtual visits as in-person healthcare became non-existent. These organizations were the few with the wherewithal and the resources to have these systems already in place. Most of them are quoted later saying they wouldn't have known what they would have done if they didn't have these systems in place. So they were prepared. They didn't know it, but they were prepared. But other smaller healthcare organizations like private practices, you know, they were left in a panic, desperate, and in acts of sheer survival, searching to quickly adopt virtual care solutions. So where did they turn? What solutions did they gravitate towards? Well, the numbers show they went with no-cost solutions and or already integrated solutions that were baked into the 
their EMR company's version of app stores. The free solutions and integrated platforms for many providers were a no-brainer. They needed to incorporate the functionality quickly and a simple download will allow them to do so. Going on trend with providers not wanting to shy away from their EMRs, the telemedicine companies that took the time to become available with an EMRs were ready and able to take on the surge of EMR users essentially turning on that functionality and turning on those programs. Now the million dollar questions now being asked are, do these solutions have staying power? Or is this just a fad? Has virtual care's time truly come? Will patients and providers truly embrace virtual care for the long term? Now, if you ask virtual care stakeholders, to them, this is the point of no return. The tipping point of an industry that has had so much fervor for so long, so much untapped potential, stifled forever by endless regulatory roadblocks and reimbursement hurdles. In my opinion, though, the answers lie in the providers themselves. Let me explain. During the pandemic, I acquired two distinct clients. First one being an endocrinologist that has been practicing medicine for over 20 years. She acquired a telemedicine platform license from our company for a single provider practice. We launched the solution in a few days. She began to see patients right away, but wasn't very excited about it. She didn't have any input on how she wanted to deploy the solution, how it would fit within her practice for the long term. She quickly canceled the subscription days after the Florida state lockdown ended. To me, she only saw virtual care as a short-term band-aid solution. She was never going to be comfortable with it as a consistent mode to deliver care. She never believed in its power. And I credited this as the consultant to her being an older physician with an established practice set in her ways and was never really going to see the value of the system or telemedicine in general. Now, my second client, a young hospitalist, aspiring to launch his own practice with his partners, came to me enthused about implementing a multifaceted solution that optimizes revenue and quality of care. He was hyped. They had done their homework. They evaluated vendors and they asked all the right questions. The tech savvy doc's exact words to me were, I've been waiting for a time like this. This is his reaction to the loosening of regulations that fully allowed him to leverage the power of technology within his practice. This showed me where the true changing of the guard is happening, where the real shift into virtual care will occur from. It will blossom from the infusion of younger healthcare professionals that are digitally native. 
these new end users entering the market will be applying virtual care tools as a standard of care and will be well trained to do so. They will become the new buyers, purchasers, owners, operators of all of these digital health gadgets and gizmos that will continue to enter the market. The Gen Z borderline millennial healthcare provider entering the workforce or moving up the chain into decision-making roles will drive the market. Couple that alongside a society more and more inundated with technology, all these signals the beginning of the virtual care era. Now I see young providers revolting, pushing for real change in healthcare how it functions, and in effect, leading the revolution of correcting the systematic issues that have played the American healthcare ecosystem by using technology. You know, many of these long-standing issues could be attributed to most healthcare organizations still being led by older regimes. As these younger healthcare executives move into organization-leading organization roles, you know, they bring a better understanding of technology's role in healthcare. They bring experience and a comfort of virtual care tools that will only grow and continue to permeate within their organizations. In effect, they will drive the market, change the culture, and innovate on the current foundations being laid. So how does this affect the investment market? You know, companies that gain the most traction going forward will be ones that have these educated end users in mind and build solutions to cater to them. Their product offerings will also need to evolve, become more multifunctional, more from just being audio, video, synchronous telemedicine systems, for example, to incorporate asynchronous modalities and remote monitoring capabilities and vice versa. Viewing telehealth or virtual care as a singularly a live virtual visit opportunity and the adopting or investing in solutions without a roadmap to the inclusion of multifaceted capabilities is a mistake. You gotta be multidimensional in a technology solution or a digital health solution going forward. So what I mean is that digital health products and companies will be expected to do more solve more problems, and be more complete solutions. This is important for healthcare organizations because of the reimbursement infrastructure in place for the utilization of virtual care tools. These flavors, as I call them, of virtual care, live audio, video, telemedicine, store and forward telehealth, and remote patient monitoring all have their own set of billable CPT codes, okay? Not having the technology components to establish these virtual care service lines will not only affect the healthcare organization's revenues, but also limit the use cases of virtual care for the enterprise. Knowing this fact, investors will and should gravitate to more complex, mature solutions, and we can expect to see an uptick of mergers within the space 
of entities that fill in each other's gaps. Technology gaps, that is. So in conclusion, you know, though virtual care may have arrived at its quintessential inflection point, where healthcare organizations are in their digital health journeys, their culture for innovation, and their leadership would dictate the role technology will continue to play in their healthcare delivery. The demand for digital health is rising, but so is the expectation of users and consumers of what virtual care services should be. Founders and investors alike, eyeing a post-pandemic future, should brace for a more, more brace for more of a mature, consolidated, consolidated marketplace full of programs, not just with potential and promise, but with true, proven, validated value through the continuum of care and at a, and at enterprise-wide scale. All right. Well, guys, thank you for listening to this episode of the 10X Healthcare Podcast. Share your comments with me. What are your thoughts? Am I on the right track? Is this the true arrival point of virtual care? Where do we go from here? What does the future hold? Love to hear you. Feel free to tweet me at Neil underscore IRFN, IRFAN, and Twitter. You can always find me on LinkedIn, Neil, A-N-E-E-L, IRFAN. And we're also on Facebook at the 10X Healthcare Podcast. Thank you. And until next time, go ahead. Keep 